Hello and welcome to Running in Public, a podcast that focuses on how run clubs have influenced running culture while serving as swords of public health. My name is Mireille and I'm a run coach, a lupus athlete, an outdoor educator, but right now I'm the host of this podcast. This is our first official episode and I'm so happy that we had such a great first club to interview in South Central Run Club. I believe they really embodied, you know, what I'm trying to get across in this podcast when I speak about, you know, running culture, run clubs, public health, and real community-based efforts. And that might, you know, make sense to some people. It might not at the moment, but I'm hoping as, you know, these episodes roll along, you'll really get to know what we're talking about here. This is also be a space where I might in the future, you know, shout out some sponsors, hint, hint, wink, wink. But for now, we're rolling solo dolo, and that is all right. I'm sure you'll get to enjoy this episode on your long run or when you're just sort of chilling. Um, It's a thorough conversation. And I just found so much wisdom and knowledge in hearing these two um, speak on, you know, the origins of South Central Club, everything that they've done so far in the community and where they hope to go. And I think you as our listeners will also get a great deal out of it. So here is South Central Rug Club for episode number one. running in public we have south central run club and i'm gonna shoot it over to them to do a little introduction so whoever wants to go first hello i am zykea brisker i am one of the co-captains i'm jasmine garcia i'm also one of the co-captains awesome uh thank you both so much for not only joining me today but to be like my first official um guest this podcast has been almost a year in the making since like the inception in my brain. I remember telling Zakia about it like literally a year ago, sometime last summer, just like, hey, I think I'm going to do this thing. And then that was it for a while. And then I opened a Google Doc and I wrote something about it. And then that was it for a while. <laughs> so it's been a lot of like small steps, small steps. It's how I was just like, yeah, it's time to put out something. So this is so special to me, especially uh, just to get something like this off the ground and to have um, South Central Run Club as the first guest, which I would consider, you know, one of the newer. Uh, run clubs to the run club arena and the vast <laughs> landscape that is uh, Los Angeles. Um, so going off of that, like, can you tell us a little bit about just like the origin story for South Central Run Club? Yeah. Do you want to go first, Akia? And then I'll should go in. first. <laughs> <laughs> you should okay. definitely go first. <laughs> it's it's a, such a funny thing. That's why. It's a really yeah. funny story. So mm. we both have our half of our story that we sh- we like to tell for this. Um, mm. So back in 2018, um, for, on my end, I started going to Koreatown Run Club with my friends. And I really, I fell in love with it. And it was my first time running. And it was a huge challenge, um, you know, because back in the day, the the minimum amount of miles you could do was three miles. So it was mm-hmm. an extreme challenge for me as a new mm-hmm. runner. Um, but I just really liked it. I started inviting my sister, who at the time was attending Manual Arts High School. Mm-hmm. And we just really, really liked it. And on the drive, but we would have to drive there. And it would it was kind of inconvenient. She was in high school, so she has to be home at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And just like I remember one day on the ride home, 
we were like, why don't we just start running in South Central? Like, it would be so cool to just, like, get the neighbors. And um, the first thing we did was start an Instagram account. We were like, we're just going to claim it on Instagram. We're going to yeah. make it happen. <laughs> we have no real plan. We're just like, let's make an Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> You got to save and, it up because it, it gets taken. People yeah. will snatch up that and name. That actually goes into the story. <laughs> and like um, over the next few weeks, we just started like reaching out to our neighbors, like um, people's parents, her high school friends, our other siblings, um, and just like other friends and stuff like that. And we started meeting up around um, by Expo Park, mm-hmm. um, right by Expo and Vermont. That's where we started meeting up. Um, and then one day I get a message that from this person named Sakia Brisker. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, they also started an Instagram account with the same name. And uh, that's kind of like our first interaction with each other. Um, so I'll let you tell that part of like how that. <laughs> okay, so I don't remember what happened specifically. I know I was like running from Mid-City to South Central. I was like running in that direction. And as I was running in that direction, everybody was staring at me. Everybody who was like on the sidewalk was just like neck was turning like where is she going and then mm-hmm. they end up just like talking to me like where are you about to go and I'm just like all in my business right and I'm just like cracking up because I'm like this is awesome and then I was like this must be a situation where it's like if I run on the west side of town nobody's like in my business everybody's just like they might give you the nod they might like you know give you a thumbs up or they might just run past you but nobody is like inserting themselves in your path yeah. And I was like, this must be a situation because the run culture is not like here. There is no run culture. Like this is like when they see me, they're like, there's, there's a, there's a different context of like, wow, look at this black femme running. This is mm-hmm. awesome. Like I felt like it was a true appreciation. And I was like, wow, why the heck aren't we running this South Central? <laughs> so then I was like, all right. I'm going to start South Central Run Club. And at the time, I was running with a couple of run clubs, one of which I met you at, me, Ray, which we already know, um, Black West LA. And at the same time, I was feeling like there was a certain scene at each run club that I just was not jiving with. I was just like, mm. hmm, this is not the same feeling that I get when I run at South Central minding my own business and people are inserting themselves. Mm-hmm. And so with the mixture of that feeling and just always feeling good when I ran in South Central, I was like, I want to do it. So I get on Instagram <laughs> to start the club, essentially, and it was taken. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and I was like, no, this is not the end of my journey. <laughs> this is not how it's going to happen. <laughs> and so then I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to join their South Central Run Club and I'm mm-hmm. going to help with whatever they're doing and just like attach myself to this and we're going to do it that way. And then um, I think the pandemic hit, I went to UC Davis to finish my undergrad. And then when I came back, um, I applied for a job that I used to work at before I went to UC Davis 
And then when I got hired, I walked into the door on the first day and I saw Jasmine. I was like, are you serious? This is this really happening right now? Yeah. <laughs> and we locked eyes like, wait, what? Is this happening? <laughs> and yeah. it was like, immediately we were just like, I felt like that was the, as soon as we looked at each other, it was like, it's on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, because going back to when we first met at the Run Club, I think, um, Yes, yeah, Akia came by a few times and we started talking. And I think since even since then, we we shared similar visions for what we wanted the run club to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, once she went to college, there's also like, um, it's just like life. So on and off, the run club was on and off. Like there's different reiterations that are trying to start up, like just mm-hmm. like not giving up on our dream of starting it. So it's like it would go, it would, it started up a little bit with our neighbors and it kind of fell off. And then. Um, started back up again in 2020 um, with a different with a different group of people, but still like same kind of like I, I've always been there, but it's like you know different people in and out. Yeah. Um, and then 2020, there was a there was like a a lot of people started coming to the runs. Um, but then the pandemic happened, and then I started working at that same nonprofit that Sakia is talking about during the pandemic. And when we locked eyes, I was like, this is how I want to continue. Like, I knew, I also felt it. It was like, I think the first look was like, I felt that too. I was like, oh my God, the run club's going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah, honestly. (laughs) And we knew that we had similar visions and we talked about it and we're like, yes, like this is what we want the run club to be. We don't want it to just be a space where we're running. And of Mm -hmm. course that we want it to be a component of it, but we want to talk about our community. We want to talk about community wellness. We want to highlight the hidden gems of our community, the work that organizations are doing. We want to really have a, a deeper conversation through running. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shared that vision. And so we were like, let's do it. And it's just been, honestly, it's been really great since then. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I, 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 I didn't know the that. origin story, but <laughs> it just concluded and you guys walking in the same space and just being like, Oh, now it's now it's happening. That's that's it wild. was absolutely divine. Yeah, it was divine. It was like super kismet. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know she was gonna be there when I walked in there. I was like, whoa! And the fact that like when I looked you in your eyes and you were like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was also kismet. Because like, how did you know what I was saying? Yeah. 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 I want to segue into something uh, Jasmine just mentioned about using the Run Club as a way to connect with different aspects of the community. Um, and I got to see that firsthand when we had Ghetto Running Day uh, this past Wednesday. And, you know, with the raffles that you were giving out, you had, you know, plants from a local plant lady, I believe, and um, the juices that people got to win too. So, and I see that in Zakia's Instagram stories too, like her just kind of popping up in different spaces and highlighting the stuff that she's interested in around the the neighborhood. So can you tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about how that uh, cultivated? And then I want to get into the nitty gritty of actually getting people to come out to the club. But how does it, how did you start to form those connections within um, the businesses in the community? Mm. You know, I feel like, one of the things that happened to, I don't know if this happened to you too, Jasmine, but when we were working, when I worked at that nonprofit, which was like in South Central, I was becoming more immersed in like the community because I don't even live in South Central right now. I live near Culver City, but most of my work and all of my homies and most of my communities in South Central. And so when I was there, 
I just got to meet more and more people. And then I just found myself gravitating to all of these South Central spaces and meeting people and like all the things that I was interested in that were dope just happened to be in South Central. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I think once there was like um, an honest spiritual alignment, I felt because of a almost like an unsaid, unspoken um, understanding of each other. I just naturally gravitated towards people who were doing business a certain way. So, um, and also to what Jasmine, you're probably going to talk more about this, but like when we first talked about doing South Central Run Club, we were like people, a part of community wellness is people feeling comfortable in their environment. And in South Central, the way the media has portrayed South Central and the way people treat South Central that are not from South Central, they tend to like um, denigrate the environment. And the people who live in South Central who have to leave South Central to work, they internalize that. And so we wanted to be able to like highlight all of the dope shit happening in South Central um, from old mom and pop businesses that are just like Mm -hmm. taken for granted. Mm -hmm. Even the, you know, even the liquor stores that (laughs) people outside of the community, they, they talk about it. Like it's a pejorative or it's a, they pathologize these liquor stores as if they're not having a hand in keeping our communities fed at the very least. Um, And there's more, you know, stuff that I could say about that. And so I think that there was just like this desire for people to see South Central for what we saw in it, which was like a place of joy and awesomeness Mm -hmm. that was made this way by the community and the business owners. Yeah. No, definitely. I I definitely agree with that. And I think, I think for the run club, for me, how a lot of the connections started I think we really wanted to highlight all these hidden gems and like how Siakia was saying, like these places that like when we think of home, when we think of South Central, we think of these spaces. And we, um, one example that we really thought of early on was like a watermelon stand on six, on, on Gage in Normandy. Uh-huh. And that's been around, I live close to there. And it's like, to me, when I think of home, I literally think about the watermelon stand. And so it's like highlighting those spaces that's like, it, it just gives you that that heartwarming feeling. It's like, this is my home. These are the things I think about. These are the spaces. These are my elders that have been here and have stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and also highlighting spaces that like, because we talk a lot about healing. And so a lot of spaces, also highlighting spaces that we have complicated relationships with. So um, we did a lot of, uh, at the beginning, we met a lot at different schools, at different high schools and middle schools, like John Muir, um, we met up at Augustus Hawkins, Crenshaw, um, I think Jefferson. And I think for us, it's like we, a lot of us have really complicated relationships with that space. And so it's like meeting up there, having a conversation, kind of acknowledging that it's like, I have good memories here. I also have bad memories here. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that has been really a part of the healing process of just like, when we look at the way that 
um, the school police treat students, black and brown students inside of schools, the way that we look at the way the education system treats our communities. It's like, this is our way as people who are no longer in school to make sure that we're also having this conversation, how we transform these spaces into healing spaces um, and, and really acknowledging the work that the teachers who are there um, doing amazing work, like highlighting their work. Um, so then we've also... At the beginning, we did a lot of schools and then uh, different organizations and businesses kind of started reaching out to us to attend their workshops. Like I want to give a shout out to LA Group Media and Esperanza Community Housing. Like they kind of gave us, we were, they just invited us and we started attending some of their workshops on like media storytelling and media. And they have ended up being one of our biggest supporters and connecting us to different resources and sponsors. and. Um, Sponsors who are actually from the community instead of like corporate sponsors. I feel like we've been really con like intentional about not taking corporate sponsors. And so it's like finding um, when we decided to do the fuck white supremacy 5k LA green media, because we were starting to build that relationship, they not only sponsored some of the, the shirts and, and medals for the event, they helped us find a space for free of charge, mm. um, which I am really internally grateful for. Um, and yeah, that's what, those are some of the things that come up to me right now. Um, but we also have started building relationships with like the tree yoga co-op. So we, and we've met up there in front of their, um, their yoga studio on near Avalon and Central, no Avalon and 60th between Central and Avalon. So it's mm -hmm. just like, there are these really hidden spaces that we don't, that we may just walk by every single day. And there's like yeah. a lot of really amazing healing work happening. So it's yeah. just highlighting that. Yeah. When you talked about like connections uh, to certain spaces, I had a moment on Wednesday's run, actually, when we stopped at the, I think, was it Willowbrook and Rosa Parks Green Line? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I had not been down there since high school, like around high mm -hmm. school, because my, my dad moved down to Paramount. I think mm. after two years in, um, in high school. So the, the nights where I had like after school programming, like practice or whatever, um, there wasn't a late school bus to take me back mm. to my bus stop. I had to, you know, take the Metro to the green line and then green line down to Paramount. So I remember that journey like vividly. And then just being this little high school girl having to you know travel so far from East LA down to Paramount at night. And then to look, just being at that station, was just like, just this memories that came flooding back because like, I, I don't take the green line anymore. I don't, I don't really have to, but just the memory of it being there and ha and knowing that it for at some point in time, it was such a, like, a significant part of my life was just enough to me. Like I just kind of took it in in that moment. So I was, I was really grateful for that. And it just made me, it just also reminded me that, yeah, I've been in these spaces before too. And it's like the further you're out of it, the more you tend to forget you know, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate you guys like being so grassroots in your efforts to connect with the community because uh, having been in like the quote unquote game for so long, you do see a lot of like the corporate influence when it comes to running and um, having to have like the gear, uh, the backing, all that stuff, because we, we, I think we're made to believe now that you do you like, that's what you need to be successful. Um, and I don't want to get into the whole, like, oh, it'll, it takes a pair of running shoes because, you know, that's a lie right now, but <laughs> 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 it's a little bit more but um but yeah right. it just shows that like you kind of just need people that believe in the mission number one that have the same vision and uh similar goals um 
to band together and like make things happen, you know, and that yeah. I think it's a great segue into how you guys got people actually showing up, coming out and building that South Central One Club community. If you could talk, get into that a little bit more. Hmm. I think there's a lot more, Jasmine, you're gonna have to help me out on this one. <laughs> there's a lot more space um, for like the reality of a miracle <laughs> that we are getting people to come. Because a lot of the legwork is genuinely done on social media. Yeah, we have our close friends where we're like, come through. And our close friends are cool. They'll come through. But now I'm not bringing a whole herd of people. So I just think that um, through our social media and our ability to um, visually communicate the South Central experience for people who are genuinely from there and also communicate a hood experience for people from any hood, I think it really resonates from pe for people, especially as we use our visual communication in relation to wellness, because wellness representation doesn't look like us in mainstream. And so I've situated, we've situated um, hoodness in wellness, which is not supposed to be like, they're actually supposed to, it's supposed to be like the antithesis, you know, when you think about history and classism and who's worthy and the idea of, um, you know, sanism and who's, who's invalid and who's valid and stuff like that. It's always been people who lived in hood spaces that were deemed um, unhealthy um, and unwell and, and not valuable, which is, I think, this larger, like, attitude in that way is the reason why there is not a lot of local economies in South Central, because there's a large hoodwink inside and out where people feel like they have to leave. It. I thought that. Like, I lived in South Central, and the first job, corporate job that I got, I was like, I did it. <laughs> I made it. I got a corporate yeah. job. I got, like, 401, 401k benefits and stuff. And, and as soon as you get into that space, you realize that there are no pipelines to, to nurture you to be able to handle a space like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so there is a need for local economies to exist because if you if they don't, then a lot of people are going to essentially be marginalized out of um, the space, the corporate spaces, by way of just not culturally being grown. I mean, being raised in that, you know, just not having uh, experience, literally not being a corporate kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Like, so um, I think that when we put our faces in the wellness conversations, what I feel like I hear from people and why they show up is like, finally, you know, finally somebody understands like, um, and also just like 
some pride and just like, yes, it's been this way, but people just didn't understand what we were talking about. Yeah. No, definitely. I don't know what to add to that. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, I do. One thing that one of my friends who went uh, to the run club, one thing he, that he said that really stuck to me was we had just finished meditating and we carpooled there. So we're carpooling back. And he was like, I have never meditated like that before. And he was like, that was actually really calming. And he's like, I have never felt like that, especially in the street. Um, and he was like, uh, he didn't want to run again. He was like, I don't know if I want to run with you guys. But <laughs> he was like, this might be the only time I'm going to come run. But ever since then, he's come almost every single month with his bike. And he does the miles on his bike. And it's like really, it's like just enjoying the healing space for what it is. And we really try to emphasize like come as you are and like whatever your needs are, someone will be with you. Like I'm usually the person, we do three miles and then we do two miles. Um, And actually the two mile component, we really wanted to have, and it's really important to us because for the general runs, because um, actually it stems from one of my first experiences like uh, uh, when I started going to run clubs when I had to do three miles as a beginner yeah. there's many times I wanted to throw up and I mm -hmm. felt like I was gonna I just felt really dizzy yeah and I we were like I don't I don't want anyone to come to our run club and then I'd be like I feel sick I cannot do this like yeah. I'm not coming back because I this made me feel sick yeah and it's like two miles to a challenge but it won't make you feel sick and you can walk it if you're walking someone will stay with you all the way in the back mm -hmm. I, that's usually me no one uh, we we don't leave people behind and so um with my friend his name is Manny he's been our like designated bike person and he stays with me with whoever is like the last people mm -hmm. um we try to stay with them. And it's like, cause we want, we don't want there to be people feeling like they're alone in that yeah. journey. Um, it's like this. So just being a space for people who are being introduced into the, the running world and the walking world. It's like, cause to me, yeah. to us, like the point is to like come out and be together. Um, we don't try. It's like, okay, you got to finish in this amount of time. Let's keep a pace. Like do this. It's yeah. like, we're not trying to be a, a, we're not trying to be in competition with each other. We're trying to build each other up. Um, and we've 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 had people come out in wheelchairs and with their dogs and with strollers, and so to me, it's like okay, what? That's why I'm so come as you are, and we'll meet you what your needs are. Yeah. We might have to adjust the route for you. That's totally fine. Like I love walking, also, so I don't <laughs> mind walking with you. You know, like <laughs> yeah. No, I I just want to speak more to like what you were saying about your experience at the uh, at the other run club. And it just reminds me of exactly what I said about the culture shock of leaving your hood and trying to adapt to circumstances that really don't consider where you come from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really like our conversation. Like if we are to have a run club in South Central, let's be real about what's happening in South Central and how we can accommodate that so we can really have a, a real run club. Because if we try to mimic any other run club style and bring it to South Central, it would not be sustainable. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, it's one thing to talk about the barrier of entry when it comes to like the gear and things like that. It's a, the conversation I see happening much, much less is just 
the ability or the capability to do it. And I hear, I hear this a lot as, as a coach, number one, when people want to start running and they're like, oh, do I have to do the 5K? Is it, the, does the marathon make me a runner? And I'm just like, if you run 30 seconds, that you should be celebrating because that's more than what people start out with. It doesn't have to be that 5K mark for your first run, especially like I, it's just wild to me, the, the more, the, like the deeper you get into it because it ends up doing exactly what you said. Like it discourages people it makes them think like maybe the sport isn't for them. And then they have a hard time trying to show up again. You do get some people that take it as a challenge. You're just like, I, I almost died, but I did it sort of thing. Let me see if I can do it better. But then you get the people that are just like, it is not what it's cracked up to be. Why would I spend my time doing this? So when, when you're breaking it down to like, just not the three mile, but the two mile and then the walking option and then the accessibility piece of it, it's just like, it's really a better model to follow, I would say. Uh, but I think you guys have that the, the advantage of doing that uh, because of the space you're in and because of the space that you've built and like the trust that has been building within the community too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so. Wild. One of the things that you made me think about was also just like the city planning in South Central. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Talking to somebody about it. And we already had one comment where they were like, the sidewalks are like broken up and like nobody should be running down there. But like, we also have other comments of just like, it's just like South Central is like, just not conducive on an environmental level. It's like, you know, one of the zones in LA that's like most, you know, most polluted aside from Watts. Um, And so that's even more discouraging to people. And so it's like, our approach is, and which I think is why people continue to come back is like, we have to humble ourselves and like be real about the situation that we're in. And like any movement is better than no movement. It's really the approach. It really is. Or even if you just show up to like chill and hang out, like we also uh, welcome that too, because um, it's all energy and all this energy is like exchanging with each other. And when people feel it, no matter if you're running or you're walking, it motivates you to be better and be well and, you know, want to um, go for what you want to do. Yeah. I, that really touches on like the public health aspect of this piece. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to start a conversation about this. Um Cause when I, when I got into public health, when I finally like allowed myself to just dive in and study it, it, I really loved it because it helped me connect to different pieces of like my own environment that I was experiencing on the day to day. And I'm, I know I'm the type of person where I'm looking at like, oh, why did they, why did they have this here? But we don't see this here. Why, um, even in just running like central Los Angeles, it's just like, I'm right by Hollywood, but I'm also by the homeless shelter by that mm-hmm. where I can go to the other side and be more. Silver Lake, Echo Park, and you see the differences when Echo Park had a huge um, encampment when it was uh, pre-fenced up, but, you know, before they took down the encampment, like, that was my running ground, like, around that lake, and I was Mm -hmm. just, like, I started to recognize the people that were out, like, living there, I don't want to say camping, but, like, living there, like, that was their home, and just, like, there's one, there's got to be a better way, and I just feel like running just brought me closer to the inner workings of the city, in a sense, without having to be like at a government level. And mm-hmm. when I when I got my uh, public health degree, I started learning about like the social determinants of health. Two of the things that stuck up to me were like the neighborhood and built environment, which is something you touched on. It's like, it's not just 
like we need to recognize that the spaces we live in do end up having an impact on us and the way we think, the way we're able to access certain things and also social determinants of health or like the, the social context of things like we don't grow in isolation. You know, we need mm -hmm. our community. We need our people um, to be looking out for us. Like community care is a word that really popped up for me like during the pandemic because I had never seen it used or done in a way that it was, you know, when things were shut down and people needed food and so it just pop started popping up on the corner. So I see whether or not Red Club see it yet, but I see them as vehicles of these two specific, you know, aspects of public health. It's like, no matter what neighborhood they are in, they are doing the work to get people out and running and being motivated and just moving their body. Cause like, as you said, any, any small amount counts in my books, especially and also like you're getting that social piece of it. So you're not in your house all the time. You're getting to see um, the people around you, the, the, the businesses around you. Um, and you touched on, you know, the sidewalks in South Central and like, you know, historically there's a reason why our neighborhoods are the way they are. So do you ever, like when you're in these run clubs, do you ever come up on conversations like that with the participants? Like, how do you, how do you, you see them sort of taking in their environment like through running in this new way, if at all? Hmm. I feel like every time someone, and oh, listen, South Central Run Club is a miracle, okay? Because <laughs> we get like, everybody who comes is all, the most down person, you know, they, like as soon as they hear the assignment, they're like, I'm ready to fill out the forms <laughs> and show me the way, like, I want to do this. It's been nothing but just like um, a great response and great participation. And we only had like one comment out of like however many years we've been doing this. So, um, and I think it speaks to the fact that like, speaks to the truth of like, this was needed and people were already ready for it before we even put it out there. And we just set up the infrastructure and trapped the people, you know, but they were already willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, what's coming up is like, um, just like, um, I think the spaces that we highlight also like, I think the past few runs or like over the past year, three years, it's been three years that we've been together. Um, <laughs> our anniversary is coming up. No, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. um, the spaces that, the, uh, some of the spaces we've been able to bring in community to have so much significance to our community. There's spaces of resilience historically um, or like it's a space that people are are currently trying to build up to be a space of healing. And mm -hmm. I think that um, I, I think uh, how we were saying earlier, there's like this negative stigma on the community of South Central. But if you're from here, I feel like there's you have that love for the community. You you think of your neighbors, you think of you think of all the support that your neighbors will give you if you need it, you know, like, no, I feel like my, I, I think about my mom, like when she, her and the neighbors, like they grow stuff and then they exchange veggies and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um. And so I think of a lot of support and love and even 
even um like for me like the 1992 uprising like people call that violence in the mainstream media but to me that's that was an act of love and like act of love for, for our own community and it's like well, this is not going to continue to happen mm-hmm. and so um I feel like it comes back, it comes out in different ways. Uh, so I think like the spaces that we go to, they're they're all it's a space where these conversations just pop up because of the history of the space or because of the work that people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people have a connection with that, and it's like I think that a lot a big part of the message that we're trying to send also is like when we talk about wellness in our communities, like we can make it happen. Like mm-hmm. this is a project that we started, but you can start your own project and we we can support each other in whatever work that we're doing. It's like um, our community is facing gentrification right now. Um, and we wellness and healing, we can make that happen. We already have the resources. We already have the skills. Our people are so talented. And it's like, we, we can make that happen for ourselves. We don't need someone to back us with, uh, like back us. And then yeah. it's actually like, they're, they're gentrifying through us. And so we don't need that. So we literally just need our own community members to bring in the art, the wellness, they're, they're all the, any skill that they have and like creating our own spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I really felt that at the ghetto running day on Wednesday, like it's just, it was so beautiful. Um, and I felt like it was healing and it was fun. And it was, there's so many people there just laughing and enjoying themselves and, and challenging themselves. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is what healing looks like for our community. It's like, this is a true example for me. It's like, that's, it, 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 that's really what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's two points you made me think about. Well, I can just get, okay, so listen, Ghetto Running Day was another divine moment, right? <laughs> I just have to tell the story because this was crazy. I, okay, so, oh yeah, I remember your other thing too. So I'll go in that order. Okay. So I think what also like helps our participation is that we orient in what I like to say, like a decolonial way. Mm-hmm. And so everything we t- every we make sure that all of our communication has historical context because um there's a book called I don't know if you read it my grandma's hands by Res McMinnicum and it talks it. about oh it's a beautiful book bro it's a beautiful book but uh it talks about how you can have trauma in your body and you have no clue what the context is. Like you could have generational trauma that's completely detextualized and you won't be able to heal because you have no context as to where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we do is we bring context back into our situation because a lot of us, when I was, you know, living in South Central, you know, you're just like born and then you go outside and then you go across the street and play with your friends and you make mud pies and it's a good time, you know, you have no clue, like, why is there a gang of black people in this area or why is there a lot of brown people in this area and why is the, why does the streets look this way? Why are the buildings like not, you know, as shiny as they are on the West side? Like, just like you have, you don't really think about it. And I think it's a gift and a curse because when you're a kid, you're like, oh, 
this is the way things are. I'm going to just go to the store, go get some malolators and have a good time. But then when you grow up and you need to start, you know, essentially um, becoming an adult and making a living for yourself, if you stay in that silo and all the resources are outside of South Central, you need that pathway, right? And so a lot of people don't have that context. And so when we do give the context, like, hey, remember that the Black Panthers headquarter was here for a reason. Or, hey, remember that John Mayer is named after a colonial person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, remember the fact that um, there was a Black community here that was essentially displaced by the crack epidemic and that the wars in Latin America displaced so many brown people to have come to America. This is why we share this hood and this is why we have to take care mm-hmm. of each other because you have to remember redlining was a real thing and it existed and you gave our ancestors no choice but to come here together. And so when we talk about it from that context, I think people are like, damn, you are right. <laughs> you are exactly right. And I do need to think about running in a way where it helps me heal through that context because that's the secret that I've been holding this whole time that I can't talk about out loud in any other running space. And it's kind of one of the things I was telling a friend recently is that I think the edge that we have is essentially that we have a deep social grounding in what we're doing and making sure that um, essentially when you're decontextualized from your trauma, you feel crazy. Mm-hmm. You feel like just anger for no reason or sadness for no reason. You feel like it's you, like, oh, everybody's just a normal person. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what is it about me that I just can't get my stuff together? And, you know, that's real marginalization in real time. Mm-hmm. And so when we're able to speak it out loud and say, hey, actually, you know, you're not crazy. There's a history to this. I think it wants people, it makes people want to come back because um we're giving attention to the thing that they didn't know they needed attention to and you know it's my belief that giving attention to things is a form of love and so we're able to give that to people who have honestly been gaslit for generations essentially like stuff happening to them and being framed in the news like well, it's your fault, you're poor, um, you're whatever color, um, you don't make enough money, you smell bad, like all of the stereotypes flipped onto our people. And we're like, wait, what? I, I just got here. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? Like, I was just born like, you know, 30 years ago. Like, I was just yeah. black on me. Um, and so always having that conversation in the forefront um, I feel like it's really healing to people and it really gets them coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you able to connect your two points in there? Um, <laughs> damn, I forgot about the other one. <laughs> oh, the other one. I remember the other one. <laughs> so to your point about like, um, like, okay, get on running a day, just being like a space where like all of the, 
truths about how dope the hood actually is just came out. Okay, so the story was I was looking for a place in Watts for us to run, right? And I was like, oh, Ted Watkins Park because um, Stokely Carmichael, the guy who coined the term Black Power, had mm-hmm. his speech about Black Power at Ted Watkins Park. We're going to do it there. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about the Watts Labor Community Action Committee. And I was like, oh, maybe they should come down to Ted Watkins, you know, and have the talk. <laughs> right? So I go up in there and I was like, hey, do you guys want to get involved? And um, the cultural creative director, her name is T, she was like, she only said that because she never been here. And I was like, what, is she, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> why is she saying like that? And so she was like, okay, let me give you the tour. Like, she was so cool. Like, just really cool about it. And very nonchalant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, super nonchalant. I'm like, all right, I'll follow you. So I follow her on the tour, and she gave me the full tour. So I'm seeing the, the Amistad ship that was donated. I'm seeing, like, all the paintings. I'm seeing the, uh, you know, Mississippi Delta. Before all of everybody saw it, mm-hmm. and, like, my sister, I talked to my sister about it, and she was like, I know when you are really inspired, you just get quiet. You have nothing to say. And that's how I was. I was just, like, completely quiet the whole tour. Mm-hmm. And then when she was done, I was like, that's why you said what you said. I am <laughs> gonna change it. Yeah. <laughs> I most definitely have to change it. Like I did not know that there was a place in Watts with such a wealth of history. And she was like name dropping, like all of the great um black celebrities have been there from like, you know, Muhammad Ali to like Geronimo from the Black Panthers to Shaq to Kobe. Like she's just name dropping. Any person who had a stake in, you know, black history and black wellness or brown history and black on um, brown wellness has passed through those doors. And I was like, this whole time it's been in Watts and we had no clue. And it was just like another divine moment where it was like, you know, I feel like what I found is like when we walk this path, like the moment when we locked eyes and it just like immediately happened it's just these moments keep happening over and over where it's just like there's no other way to describe it but we're being blessed because of what because we're walking the path of trying to do this mm-hmm. i just like happened upon this place i didn't like yeah. seek it out or do any research you know yeah yeah that was a special day and then um uh, a much different uh global running day than you know i've experienced in the past like running with blacklist mainly for um the past like uh 24 hour runs and that day i was like i I woke up and i did not have it in me to to go to griffith which is right there at six in the morning and i was like i just had work to do i was like but i gotta make it to get a running day i just gotta make it to that and so yeah i hope there's it continues in the following global running days because i i i will try to be there that does make me want to talk about you guys' next um, adventure, which is Ride or Die. Yes. Stepping into like long distance training, it seems like. Yes. Want to break that down for us? (laughs) For sure. So it's the goal to get people from walking, running a mile to 26 miles over Mm -hmm. um, from now to when we get to the LA Marathon. Mm -hmm. And so we got six races lined up that we're gonna essentially um, ride or die together (laughs) um, in each race. But I think in long distance spaces, again, it's the same ethos. It's like, 
there is no cultural context as to why it matters or why should somebody in South Central want to run any long distance, especially with there being only one pathway and a student run the LA, you know? Mm-hmm. And um once you and it's done at such an early age that it doesn't resonate the same as when you're like at this age and you're like yeah. really racking up, you know, your marathon. And so um our coaches more so trying to keep people's mindsets open and letting them understand that the that they can go anywhere. And I think that's the larger theme of South Central Run Club work is like, and um, this is something that Allison Desir wrote about in Running Wild Black, which is like, spatial awareness and your ability to like take up space and running anywhere you want and so what kind of mindset do you have if you're only restricted to your hood and that's not something that like we're explicitly talking about but it's like why isn't that we don't see ourselves in these spaces well number one the la marathon is nowhere close to south central (laughs) And so there's certain things that are being said without them having to say it. And so South Central Run Club essentially has to translate and be like, we'll just go anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just go anyway. And we'll just go and do whatever we want anywhere we want to go. So I know there's like certain, you know, other run clubs that emphasize almost like a kind of like amateur elite type of feel. Um, and that's not where we're trying to head with this. We're more tr- trying to like use endurance sports or long distance running as a tool to unlock um, a centeredness in yourself, like from a holistic wellness standpoint. Because yeah. there's a point where you're doing long distances and you get like, you have to be like, there's a zone that you have to stay in if you're going to make it all 26 miles, like you can't freak out. Right. (laughs) And so um, I think that it's just conditioning people's mindsets and keeping this, the vibe dope by being real. And then we can be a pipeline from South central to any long distance race more. So, so people can say that they've done it, not like trying to fit in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a boastful thing. It's more like a, a self journey. Mm-hmm. Say. Yeah. And I think from my end, um, cause I usually with the general runs, I stay with the two mile group. Mm-hmm. And I think from my end in the way to support the writer dies, is just like also bringing out our families to cheer for us and like mm-hmm. South Central having a presence in the cheer zone, you know, and like having like, and my dream is to like have like just people have like maybe have bring some snacks and stuff and like cheer people on while they're doing a half marathon or a full marathon and um I think really being able to it's like if we're not at the level yet or if we're not interested in running a marathon it's like there, it doesn't mean that we don't have to be we can't be part of that experience mm-hmm. um and yeah. support each other in in the in our goals our goals may be different but we can still, still support each other yeah no and to your point like my very first marathon 
was the New York Marathon. And I always tell people that that's the best marathon to run on your first time, but just like the best marathon period, because the culture it's like it's a holiday. It's a, it's a citywide holiday. Every borough is out. There's only one pocket of emptiness with no people like paying attention to the marathon. And that's when you go into like the Jewish town, you go into a Jewish area, right? And they're just like on staff and they're like, we're not watching you. We don't really, you know, we're not really connected. But for the most part, everybody is out. And um, when I ran it, I was just like, this is something that everybody should feel. Like, everybody should see how dope humanity is through this moment of, like, running long distance, or like, the marathon. It's, like, I always, it's, like, my um, opinion that, like, you really see the, uh, like, a pure beauty of humanity at the marathon. I was describing it today when I was, like, talking to the ride or dies. It's, like, when you get to mile 23... And all you hear is like heaving around you. <laughs> People are struggling to pick up your feet. And you look around and everybody's doing the same thing. And you're completely synchronized with everybody else. And you're like, oh my God, I am connected. I am a part of something. This is amazing. And like, you're so tired. You don't have, you know, just a, a, a frenzy of thoughts in your head to it's disconnect just... you from, <laughs> right, from the reality that you're connected to human beings. Yeah. Like y'all all are toughing it out. Yeah. And so I feel like um, when I experienced that, I was like, why can't South Central have this? This is amazing. Like let's, as much as I have like um, critiques about the sport and some of the uh, marginalizing aspects of it, it's that part right there that makes it worth it. Like that when you finally get to the race <laughs> and everybody's like pouring themselves into it, all of a sudden it's really just like this unifying feeling and you're just high-fiving everybody, no matter who they are. Like, and I just was like, all right, South Central got to come in. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. bringing South Central to this. This was amazing. I'd love to see a South Central cheer station along the LA Marathon course. That'd be so dope. It will happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I love, I also love it's the happening. push of just like these clubs, uh, almost saying like, you know, forget the old ways as far as like race organizations go and setting up their own thing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like 13.1 like with uh, Do Work and uh, Movement Runners, I believe. And then um, 26 Point True, which is what, mm -hmm. what the marathon that the Pioneers put on um, in the Boston area that actually goes through Boston and not just. I forget where they even start. I was just like, yeah. And I, cause I ran through Boston and I was just like, I wouldn't want to be here. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to do this. It's just not it. So when I see stuff like that, that it's like by the community, for the community, the same goal of just like, you know, having people that look like us realize that we, we can be in these spaces. It can be in the traditional like race organization sense, or it could just be our own thing. Like you could go out and run a marathon mm -hmm. right now if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. you know there's, like nothing, there's, really, <laughs> there's really nothing stopping you um let's see do you guys have no, but i do to... think that that you know that does speak to the point of like we do produce our own 5k like mm -hmm. for two years mm -hmm. straight we've been producing our own 5k and for the for the situation for the like specific realization that we're like why can't we do it 
Mm-hmm. And if we have a problem with what other people are doing, why don't we just do it ourselves? And it's not to say that people who are challenging, you know, organizations that have marginalizing like um, elements to them are wrong. It's just to say that for us, it's easier to build with people who are looking for that opportunity to be tapped in. Um, our first year with the name, you know, being fuck white supremacy 5k, and that's a story in itself. <laughs> people heard, right? People heard the name and they were just like, why do, why would I ever associate my, myself yeah. with, this, with a 5k? And when we start to talk about it and people really understood it, it became a wave of its own. And so people were like, yeah, sign me up for that exhibit. Or like, you know, when is the ticket registration open? And even Mm -hmm. in this year, we doubled our attendance and people were just like excited. Like people who been went last year came back and brought more people. We're able to put more people on and the space got bigger and bigger. And yeah. With the what we're seeing right now, with how it created an opportunity to put like so many people on, from photographers to mm-hmm. caterers to artists to volunteers, mm-hmm. um, I see it getting bigger. I see it yeah. getting bigger and bigger. Yes. Um, it's surprising because it's named "Fuck White Supremacy," you know, five K, and the reason that we named it the "Fuck White Supremacy" five K is because (laughs) in the same way that people have, you know, fuck cancer, we think that white supremacy is a social illness Mm -hmm. that everybody has, not just white people. And so when you are infected by white supremacy, most likely you're filled with self-hatred because whiteness in itself is built on the denigration of people of color. Like what it means to be white is to have resources and access and license, not privilege, license to do whatever you want. Whereas people of color are constrained and exploited. And so there's a tendency in every single person, no matter color, what color you are, is to operate to promote that culture where it's like, if you are on the spectrum of the colorist, you know, uh, thing, and you're closer to white and you're darker, you're more likely to get marginalized if you're darker. And we as a people, as a society, we perpetuate it no matter who it is or how dark you are, or how, how, how light-skinned you are. And so to address what we think is the direct result of why there are no, well, I shouldn't say no, but why we are struggling to create local economies in South Central is due to the idea that white people should just have stuff for no reason. And that people of color are supposed to be struggling. Like, where does this thought come from? And so we think that that is an infection of the mind to just think that way. There's no reason to think that way. So we're addressing directly what we think the problem is as opposed to like 
skirting around it. I think a lot of our, you know a lot of our our initiatives as like organizers and people who are trying to make a difference really skirt around that point because of the the, his, the history of violence done onto people when they talk about this kind of stuff all out. And so we want to just basically normalize it because we see it doesn't serve anyone, not a white person, because a white person is detached from their history and they learn a certain thing in a certain way about how society works that puts them at odds with the rest of the people that they have to exist with on the planet and vice versa. And so us bringing attention to it is like, hey, let's just talk about it. Yeah. And I think one thing that uh, for me, for the Fuck White Supremacy 5K, um, we added an art gallery component, like how Saki was saying. And like, that's not really, I don't think that's really common in most 5Ks. And it's like we added an art gallery component that's open throughout the whole event. Mm-hmm. And we have the after party that's like food, um, music but to me it was really an honor and it's really beautiful to work on the on the art gallery specifically like on all components but with the art gallery seen it the first year we did it we I literally just asked two of my friends who are artists if they wanted to show their art and they were like yeah sure you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next year we were like no let's have a theme and we decided and let's partner with South Central Arts and we we came up with the theme of South Central Utopia and not necessarily utopia in the sense of like what would what could South Central be if everything was perfect, but South, um, more more in the lines of what are our visions as community members for South Central? When you think of home, what do you think of? And it could be things that already exist in our communities. It could be the the lote guy on the corner. It could be there's so many different things. And so we asked the artists to really bring in pieces that for them reminded reminded them of home, reminded them of, of South Central love. South, like Utopia for us is like also like the love we have for South Central. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was, we we went from two artists the first year that I had to ask for, thankfully, I love them so much. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to people, we had 17 people who actually, um, signed up to be an artist and then 14 people who were actually able to like um, cure, like add their art to the space. So we have 14 artists from the from either South Central or East LA or other hoods in the in the US and come and show their art of like that shows what what they feel for the community for themselves, what they think about it, um what they think about when they think of like South Central Utopia, Hood Utopia is like what what is what is at the center of our community. And it was really beautiful because both years we were able to have artists that were more experienced and then one um an artist who were, that was their first ever art gallery. The first year we had someone who sold it was her it was their first um it was their first uh art showing and they actually sold a piece. And uh, this second year, we also had someone who was their first, it was his first time ever showing his art. And it's just like also being that space where it's like, we want to encourage people to, when we're talking about healing, it's like, we want, we, we want to create this space where people can come in and like really decompress and 
um, even the music that we chose, we had the artists choose the playlist. We, we, everyone added a song. Um, so it was really intentional. We had someone come in and do a workshop. Um, their business called Soyhood. They did like a medicinal herb workshop. Huh? Oh yeah. So shout out to Leslie. <laughs> yeah. They did a herbal medicine workshop in the art gallery. And then they had like tote, they had tote bags where people can draw or do whatever on the tote bag of like what does wellness mean to them, mm. and so it's like you're adding this race component, you're adding for people, you're adding this art component. This we're gonna celebrate together. So it's like um, we felt like at the first year, a lot of people did when they heard the name, they're like, oh, is this a protest? Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no this is this is a celebration of our black and brown communities and we're going to center the joy of our black and brown communities and that's how we say fuck white supremacy is by centering our joy yeah. and yeah, we had tacos we had tacos at the end like it's like what because when you that's when you think of South Central, you think of, like i always think about tacos <laughs> so we had the DJ, he he went to high school with me at Manual. Like, it's just like a lot of, um, or this year, the DJ was for Manual Arts. And um, just like really, how we had elders who joined the race. Like, um, we it was, we had a cheer squad, people who, who just wanted to come through for the art gallery. Or like, maybe they were invited by someone. We had people all around, along the route cheering for our community. They had signs, clappers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and it's in November specifically because um, it's a month where we have Thanksgiving. So you have those turkey, turkey trots. And so within the running world, we see a lot of erased erasure of the violence of, of the history of Thanksgiving. And so we, I, we wanted to really turn that on its head and be like, no, we want, we don't want to erase we don't want to just ignore the hit, the violent history that has happened to indigenous people and black people and brown people in the U.S. and in our community of South Central specifically. Um, and so we wanted to we wanted to do something that celebrates our community and like even the space where we held it at we were um, we held it at the Big House, which is a community space and it's close to USC. And so the route was also intentional, where USC is a gentrifying force in our community. And so having physical like we have a physical presence in pushing back on that and it's like even that is symbolic and so it's like we use a lot of symbolism in a lot of the work that we do it's like the the routes the everything really we we do use a lot of symbolism now that i'm thinking about (laughs) it yeah 100 percent everything is done with a lot of intention no and no just sidebar like shout out to the artists because like Oh, for the art galleries because they really pronounced for people and communicated to people how dope South Central is already. Like illustrating to people that utopia already exists in South Central and people were able to finally be like, finally somebody understands. Um, no, that was, I just wanted to say that. But also like, yeah, it's it's almost like if the name is jarring for you and you feel like you have to pass, then you have to pass. But if you can get past the name or not even get past, if you understand the name and you, it resonates with you, then you essentially get access to a race that feels like a, a backyard boogie. And that's like the mo- that's the most... Um, 
culturally resonant feeling that we as a run club could produce for our community is something that feels like they're not going to an expo or they're not going to, you know, whatever the, the traditional thing is. It's like you're able to eat foods that feel like home. You're ever able to see sites that feel like home. You're able to listen to music that feels like home. And the DJ is always lit. Yeah. <laughs> Both year we yeah. have great DJs and people are actually dancing at the after parties. And so, um, and it's hard for people to want to go home. And I know for me, it is. So it's a really beautiful experience um, wrapped in this um, intentional messaging that really is geared towards making people feel more free than, than alienated. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to highlight, actually someone who, um, they were one of our curators, uh, their name is Mac. Um, the first year they were the first, they were like the artist that was the first time showing. And then the second year we, uh, um, they, they volunteered to be a curator. And um, so we spent, we, we spent multiple days setting that up, you know, talking to artists, actually setting up the space. And then the day of the event, there's a lot going on. Um, and at the end, of, at the end, like once we were packing up and everything, uh, they, they told me that they felt genuine joy being in the space while the event was happening. And like, um, that in their heart, like they started crying and like that they had never felt like genuine like this just genuine sense of joy and then that to me stuck with me because I was just like going back to the public health thing is to me it's like when in terms of like community healing like to me it's like creating spaces where people feel seen and people's people can feel joy and relaxed and they're having a good time and all these all these things that are these exciting senses for the human body to be able to create spaces where people are are letting us know that they felt genuine joy. Uh, to me, it was like, this to me is, this is what healing looks like. This is what community spaces should feel like. Yeah. Um, and this is why it takes the community to, to, this is why it takes the community to create these spaces because I feel like with outsiders perspective or gentrifying forces, there's no, they're not centering the actual needs or joy of the community and the work that they're doing. Yeah. And so it comes off as sterile and it comes off as just like, it's, there's cutter. a lack of connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, the backstory of the 5K. I haven't ran it yet. Um, now Next, I feel like this year. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I get just like about races in general. It's a party. It's a party, man. You guys are so um, on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's honestly, it's super, like, even. um Shout out to Jorge because he's the owner of the big house and he lets he let us do it for free two years in a row. And I remember <laughs> seeing the look on his face when he just saw people just moving around his house. And he has that house for the community to activate so they can, you know, um, being in connection with each other and to like grow with each other and stuff like that. So he saw that <laughs> at his house and it was just like a look of awe. And I just like looked at him in awe, like, wow, this is really happening. You mm -hmm. know? Um, I just think it's like a really, I think it's a really cool thing. Like you said, when people are able to feel seen, but it, also people are able to talk or people are able to like say it. 
Um, Because one of the things that I think, and this is more to the question of like, you know, it's both like public health and um, I forget the other thing, but a part of social determinants, right? A part of like illness, and they talk about this like when it comes to like bipolar um, disorder and schizophrenia. Um, and it's a part of a marginalizing process is being silenced and being gaslit. Mm-hmm. And so when you have to be, repress yourself and you repress yourself and you repress yourself and you you essentially act out in these ways that are abnormal to other people. But if people understood your trauma, then they'd be like, okay, you're just yeah. in a loop. Yeah. Your trauma is in a loop. So when we're offering spaces for people to say hard things out loud in the context of running, I mean, you get to run and out having runners high, you know, all of that wrapped into one. It's like the ultimate healing formula. And then you mix in a little bit of meditation where you're like, okay, I said it out loud then I'm going to go run and then I'm going to just sit in this high and just feel good. I think that um, that's the way that we're able to unlock the, the public health piece is because there, you know, what we always say, there is no space for people our age to really kick it in South Central. You know, you got to know somebody who got a, a a house that you can kick it at, but there's no like bars really popping like that. There probably is like one or two and they're like miles apart. There's no like wellness studios. There's no, there's not a gang of juice bars. It's just not abundant in those kind of wellness uh, resources. And so the role is really like, how can we combine all the things that are missing into one space, you know, so people can have the space to feel seen and have the the feeling that other people on the on outside of the neighborhood feel of just like having space to have resources and like be poured into. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on, actually. <laughs> like hide <laughs> everything in a bow. <laughs> but uh but before we go, um is there anything that y'all wanted to talk about that we didn't didn't get a chance to today i'm always down for um, twos. <laughs> huh <laughs> well you know what what makes me okay you were talking about participation right you know, i think i'm on a riff now that's why all of this <laughs> coming up but i'm so sorry <laughs> um, okay um when you're like participation okay in LA, when the tapes leaked with Nori Martinez mm. and all of the other council people on the recordings saying racist things about other council members, and we were uh, promoting our 5K at the time, and we are an organization that's black and brown, you know what I mean? And we publicly said something that essentially said, (laughs) this is a real situation. There is beef between black and brown people, but that's not wholly what it is. Like there is some misunderstanding, but they are not a representation of all of South Central or all of like LA. And I think when people saw that, the acknowledgement of the reality, but also like a possibility for things to be better, that 
was I felt like that sold tickets. <laughs> they were like, they were like, dude, I want to be a part of this organization. I want to run with these people because they're not lying about the reality of we're in. Like, there is um, a history of beef between black and brown people, and it's all because both people have been relegated to a space that they <laughs> didn't have a choice but to be in. There are a few places for black and brown people to go. And even when it became a situation where gentrification started to really ramp up, they were giving out vouchers to people, to Lancaster and Palmdale, to like move them out, you know, and start Mm -hmm. to put them in these places. So, you know, essentially black and brown people are fighting over space and resources, but they're looking at each other like they're the one to blame. (laughs) And so... When we spoke to that openly, I think a lot of people really resonated with that. And there were, and it, I think there's these opportunities where you can show, you can put your flag out there and show like your alignment and many people align with that. And I think it's these instances like this where we're able to like, again, recontextualize what's happening for people so they won't feel crazy, but also feel connected. And like there's hope to become better and be a better community member I think that people uh, find it easy to participate with us because we're not asking people to be anything else or to conform or to have gear or to, to, you know, have to show up in any other way that wouldn't make them feel comfortable. Um, Which, you know, I do love other run clubs because other run clubs, they make you feel like you need to come ready for your fashion show. You need to be on point, right? Like, like your shoes need to be clean. You need to have a clean outfit. Like, hair needs to be done. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a relief, a sigh of relief when you don't feel like you have to do that and you can still be accepted. Any last words on your end, Jasmine? Um, thank you for having us. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that you invited us to a conversation about running in public spaces because that's literally <laughs> what a lot of our conversations look like. Is mm-hmm. like, how do we create spaces that are relevant to our community and people actually want to come out to in the the public streets? Um, having to deal with all the ups and downs of running in a public space, you know, it's not always, it's not always um, like the best. Like to be honest, like sometimes there's, you know, there's cracks everywhere. Um, sometimes, so we've had it helps us practice that community care that you were talking about of like even yelling step if there is an if there is an accident. Um, we've had like we've had accidents before where. I do want to say, like, I know we talked about liquor stores, I think, earlier in the in the conversation. And I do want to give out a shout out to the liquor stores because once we had an accident and the firemen were called, they had no bandages. They had nothing to help this person. But guess who did? The liquor store. Yeah. And so I we went, me and this other person, we went to the liquor store and we bought everything we needed for our first aid kit. And we helped this person, like, just, like, clean off. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it's like there's services in our community that don't even have the basics of what you would need to help someone who like fell. 
And it's like, but the liquor stores who get so much negative attention is like have the first aid kit. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just, for me, it was like in terms of public spaces, like there's the, the ups and downs and just being able, like our community, making sure that we have the ability to bounce back. It's like we, we, our community in different ways is making sure that we have the resources mm -hmm. and that includes the liquor stores also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I also want to say so thanks to. <laughs> No, oh, did you say sorry? Like, no, no, no I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that the fire people, like, what they didn't have, what you guys needed. They didn't have it. bandages. All we needed was bandages That's and, like, uh, the the thing to clean you off the... The gauze, the, yeah, the, or saline. The gauze, and, mm -hmm. yeah, and the, yeah, the little, yeah, the oil, whatever. I, saline, I forget what yeah. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> the new foreign. Yeah, and they didn't have that. They didn't have anything, not even a bandage and so like i we literally walked to the liquor store and got that ourselves and so it's like i just want to make to me that's another example of community care mm -hmm. and how we are we our community helps our community and we're there for each other right and it's not to like glamorize the mm -hmm. situation but like yeah you just can't throw out stuff you know you can't look at things so flat like and yeah growing up those liquor stores were a delight in my life <laughs> my mom will give me some change and I'll run around the corner and I'll get my snacks and I was a happy kid <laughs> it's like um oh, what about those feelings that they provide for people yeah they like are taken they are um well 100% owned by like Lay's and you know Frito and Mars company and stuff like that. Um, and that's another conversation. You know, we want to have mm -hmm. part two. We got to unpack <laughs> yeah. that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, many of us are just born into these circumstances and we're doing the best that we can. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, yes, I want to thank you, Mireille, because this was, this was a lot actually, because. <laughs> honestly there's so much to touch on yeah. and i feel like we're still not even done yet yeah. <laughs> so i appreciate you like inviting us on you know especially with your first stab at this and um <laughs> you seeing like what we're doing and mm -hmm. wanting to help us get our you know our words out there and like get our chops together and um supporting our work for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Thank uh, you so much. On that note, of course, yeah. Um, how can people get in touch with y'all? Or what are ways that, we, uh, you know, they can connect, be there Instagram, any of the avenues that you have? <laughs> I'm looking at you, <laughs> <Yeah. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So we're super easy to get in touch with. On Instagram, it's southcentral.run. And our website is southcentral.run. If you like hit the contact button, it's, you know, you'll get the email. We're super responsive, but we post, we pretty much like live on Instagram. So if you DM us or you just see what we're doing, you know, that's how you can mm -hmm. get direct access to us. We are turnaround time on, you know, on any questions is pretty quick. What do we have anything coming up? We have um, our next monthly run mm -hmm. is uh, July, second Thursday of July, which is the i can't see right now but uh second thursday of july 7 30 uh we are meeting at mercado la paloma which is right across from the um la um dmv 
And that space has a rich history. It used to be a sweatshop. Um, then the community took it over and they organized. And now it's a community market, like a space where there's like different restaurants that you can enjoy. They usually have art galleries. And um, they've also been and had a lot of influence in opening up the school across the street. I didn't know that until I like attended a workshop. They were like that they... There was nothing there before, and they wanted to make sure that there was more uh, community oriented, and so they they advocated for there to be a school there. Um, and so, as another example, like we like to choose spaces that are example of the resilience of our community, and like mm-hmm. how we're transform our communities transforming um, spaces that exploit our people, that um, pollute our people, different things. Um, how people are our community is actually transforming that, and this and this is why we need more community centered and owned spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's next, next, uh, second Thursday of the month, July 2nd. Oh, not July. Second Thursday of July. Yeah. At like July 13th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for joining us today. Um, conversation, especially, um, central and, um, you know, perceptions of running, community building, all of that stuff. So hopefully there will be a, a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, keep yeah. That, we'll keep at it. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. Yeah. Right. Wow. What? and episode. I hope you all listening got a lot out of that. And I hope that uh, future run clubs that come on here to be guests, you know, really feel that this is a safe space to go there and to talk about the depths of what it means to have a run club, what it means to be in the community, and just the ins and outs of what you all are experiencing in your respective hoods and neighborhoods. I really look forward to having so many more conversations like this if you'd like to tap in with South Central Run Club, please follow them on Instagram at southcentral.run. And same thing goes for their website, southcentral.run. Please follow along with this podcast as well. It's called runninginpublic.pod on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is just my name, mire.sene. I'll have all of these in the show notes and the contact points as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to this first episode and we'll see you later.